Praise the name of the Lord. So we, we kick off um, from there. First John, sorry, John chapter 1, our text number 1. John chapter 1, we have three texts today also, like last week. John chapter 1 from verse 29 to 34 from the NRSV. It should come up on the screen at some point. John 1, 29 to 34. And it says, <laughs> Okay. Tell me, you better open your Bible. <laughs> Stop relying on the screen. Okay. <clears throat> John chapter 1 and RSV from verse, verse what? 29 to 34. Okay. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might reveal, he might be revealed to Israel. Verse 32, and John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him. He said it again, he's repeating himself again. But the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the son of God. So when John says, he that sent me told me this is what you should look out for. In other words, John wasn't just crazy that he was baptizing with water. He, he was just baptizing people with water. God called him and God sent him on a specific errand and God gave him a sign. And that sign is the person on whom the Holy Spirit comes upon and rests, that is the Messiah. And he kept saying repeatedly, I myself, I didn't know him. I myself, I didn't know him. You know, in verse 30, John 1.30, it says, this 
is he of whom I said, after me, I was after me, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. You see, um, precedence is so important with God because God is a God of order. So, precedence is key with God. So, um, God usually would um, take precedence seriously. So, but John was saying here that even though I came before him, even though by precedence I'm supposed to be ranked ahead of him, he is ahead of me even though I was before him. He, ranked, he ranks higher than I am even though I preceded him. So when it comes to spiritual things, age is totally irrelevant. Precedence really, it, it doesn't really matter. God can make the last to be first and the first to be last. In fact, in many, in many cases, he specializes in making the last first and the first last so that nobody will share in his glory. So do you feel awkward with your life? Do you feel that you are not in the in thing in town? Do you feel that um, you need to make a lot of effort to feel among, just relax, stay in your skin. God wants to use you to bamboozle the world. Praise the name of the Lord. God specializes in using people that are not ranked and making them superior. God specializes in using people that are not ranked and putting them in front. Amen. So Jesus ranked ahead of him. And John himself was the one declaring it to us. When we look at verse 31, you know, it's very interesting because it, it, this is John. He says, I myself did not know him. Excuse me. Are you not his senior cousin? Did you guys not used to roll tire together on the streets of Jerusalem? Did you guys not used to play football together when Mary come, came visiting your mom? Did you not leap even in the womb when he, he came to visit you when he was in his mother's womb? And you guys are cousins. And you are saying, I myself, I did not know him. You know, sometimes it's funny how God arranges things, you know. It's, it's funny because God chose the one that knew him most not to depend on his natural knowledge of him so that they can reveal him to him in a supernatural way. God chose the one that has known Jesus from the womb, grew up with him, and God said to him, you, you've not seen anything yet. The easiest people to disdain us are the people that know us the most. The easiest people to look down on us are the people that knew us when we were growing up. Ah, ah, Femi, 
Where did you get the anointing from? He <laughs> will call your name. You say, ah, ah, ah. You know? There is no, in fact, there are some people that will vow. There is nothing you will do. You can have all the money in the world. But you see, you must not be like that. Paul was saying, no, we know man after the flesh. You must always, always, we mentioned it last week, it's showing up again this week. You must always, always discern the people in your life by the Spirit of God. Don't rely on your natural or biological knowledge of their credentials. Always. He says, I did not know him. And if you, if you notice, John, the son of Salome, John Zebedee, did not even talk about the baptism at all. He skipped the baptism totally. He, he, you know, he, he, talked, John, he narrated John the Baptist saying, he, on him whom the spirit rests, that is the Christ. And he just went on. He didn't even talk about the event that that happened. And like we learned in part one, that John, the son of Salome, focused on Christ and left out the things that the Synoptic Gospels covered very well. So he, he has assumed that his readers will have read Matthew or Mark or Luke. I will have read the baptism. I will have understood that that's what he was referring to. Praise the name of the Lord. Because I have to read it again. Ah, the thing is not dead. Baptism is not there. Just the same way, there's no single parable in the book of John. No single parable in the book of John. There are some things he left out for the synoptic gospels. In verse 29, John 1. Says, the next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and declared... Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God. Look at the Lamb of God. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Jesus, the day before, you know, the next day, the day before, what happened the day before? Remember last week? Last week was the day before. What happened the day before? The Pharisees had sent entourage to him, right? To ask, tell us, are you the Christ? He says, no. Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the one that is to come? So, the day before, they've been inquiring about if John was the Messiah, if John was the Lamb of God himself. Now, the next day, and we said maybe Jesus was in the crowd, we, we don't know. You know, sometimes he hides himself in the crowd. But the next day, Jesus was walking by and John exclaimed, behold the Lamb of God, the one you're asking me about. That is the guy. That is the guy <laughs> that takes away the sins of the world. He was trying to get Jesus into trouble. Considering the fact that they were not interested in celebrating the, the Lamb of God or the Messiah. They were interested in killing him because of their insecurities. Praise the name of the Lord. So, and the times that, that John chooses 
It's different from the terms that the Pharisees and, and, the, and, and the, the Sanhedrin, the body of, of spiritual leadership in Jerusalem used. They used the um, terminologies of, of the, the prophets, that is, the Messiah, the Christos. They used the prophet that Moses talked about in Exodus. They used words like that. But when John was referring to Jesus, he says, the lamp of God. He did not say, behold the Messiah. Of course it's the Messiah. But he chose to use the lamp of God. Amazing. Why? Why did he use the lamp of God? What was the importance of that? He used the lamp of God because he knew that it would resonate big time with the Jews, with the people, with his audience. He knew that it will make sense to them on three levels. It makes sense to them on three levels. Number one, they understood the Old Testament Passover lamb, Exodus 12. We read it a lot when we, when we pray, particularly at the vigils. And you will have a lamp for a house. Each house will have a lamp. If the house is too small, you join the other house, your neighbor's house, and you can have a small lamp. And the blood shall be upon the token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The Passover is a consistent feast of the Jews from the time they were set free from Egypt. So when he said the lamp of God it resonated. That's the first way it resonated. The second way it resonated is that there's a messianic prophecy in Isaiah 53 verse 7 Isaiah 53 7 that says that he was oppressed and treated harshly Yet, he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep, is silent before its sharers. He did not open his mouth. So, they were deep in scripture. So, they understood that from a prophetic standpoint, there's a lamb of God that has been expected. So, when he said the lamb, behold the lamb of God, Isaiah hit them. They're like, wow. And number three, obviously, you're writing, right? Is everybody writing? Do you have the outline? Okay, good. Number three, according to John 2.13, the Passover was actually a few days away. It was actually near. John 2.13 says it was nearly the time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. Obviously, if you count back, you know, the way John narrated it. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. By the time you get to John chapter 2, the, the, the um, um, marriage in Cana of Galilee. But by the time you count all the next days, the marriage took place on Tuesday. So, by the time you count back, this was like the Sabbath that we are in. So, by the time you, you count forward, 
so the marriage was on Tuesday. By the time you get to verse 13, it was about just a week away. So, the Passover, the week before, Jesus shows up. The Jewish community is getting ready for the feast of the Passover. They are going to kill a lamb signifying what happened in Egypt and what they are expecting from Jehovah. And John shouted, Behold the Lamb of God that will take away the sins of the world. So Jesus was the atoning sacrifice. So they are like, so this is the Lamb of God. The way they saw Jesus was totally different. So the Jews, that is those that believed, saw that this young man is our Messiah, is our Passover, is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And it is the Lamb of God. It is not the Lamb of the high priest. It's not the Lamb of the head of the family. It's not the Lamb provided by our earthly dad. It is the lamb provided by God. And when you tie that to Genesis 22, verse 8, when Abraham said to Isaac, God will provide a lamb for himself. Isaac was a type of Jesus, obviously. So God will provide, God himself will provide the lamb for the bond offering my son. He was speaking prophetically. He didn't know, but that was what but that was what happened. God provided a lamb for himself. Now, in our case, in the case of human of humanity, it is not the blood of bulls and goats, as we are going to see, that can make a difference to our sins. It is the spotless blood of Jesus, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That makes a difference to us. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, I said, begin to make a lot, of, a lot more sense. When the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When the person from whom I expect to receive nothing gives me everything. The same John one twenty nine, shifting our emphasis away from the um, the Lamb of God to what the Lamb has come to do, says. Here is the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of the world is singular. It's not plural. The sin, the word sin there is singular. It's sin, past, present, future together nailed to the cross. Unbelievable. Sin, 
from Adam to rapture, nailed to the cross, lumped up in one sacrifice. Now, if that doesn't make you excited, I don't know. I don't know what else. <laughs> I, I don't know what else. What else will ever make you excited? What can wash away my sins? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. The fountain I know nothing but, but the blood of Jesus. <sighs> you know, in the Old Testament, the concept of atonement is a, it's 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 the concept of covering in the Old Testament. So when you talk about an atoning sacrifice, in the Old Testament, you are talking about the covering, the sacrifice to cover the sins. But when Jesus came, he became not the lamp of God that covers the sins of the world. He became the lamp of God that takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the lamp of God that takes away the sins of the world. So, atonement in the New Testament has the underlining foundation of propitiation. So, it became the propitiation of our sins. In fact, we, use, we see the word used interchangeably. It's the propitiation of our sins. What does propitiation mean? It simply means, it's, it's, it's a compound, it's, it's a word that is it's a complex word. Complex not in, in understanding, but complex in, in meaning. You know, it's a complex word. Propitiation means to appease the rot of someone that has been offended on one hand and on the other hand to restore back in fellowship with the person that has been offended. Let me give you an example. We, we live in a broken world. Unfortunately, um, people get raped Sometimes by family members. So, a lady gets raped by an uncle. Then, she struggles with her sexuality. Really struggles. Finds Christ. Able to forgive. She actually forgives. But she may never be able to have a relationship with that man. She may never be able to 
work in the same office with him. She may ever, never be able to live in the same house with him. And that's understandable, right? You can't force, can you force her to do it? Can you say, because you can't, you, that means you have not forgiven him? No. So, forgiveness and trust are totally two different things. So, you can forgive someone doesn't mean you can trust them. She may, not, she may never be able to trust him. Therefore, she may never be able to have a relationship with him. But what Jesus did with propitiation is this. Not only did he bring us forgiveness, he brought us restoration of fellowship with the Father. It's huge. So, so not only are we forgiving, it's not forgive and go. It's forgive and stay. Come close to me, Femi. Sit here with me. It's huge. And atonement. So cleansing, it, it, it comes with, with what Jesus did. The Lamb of God that takes away, that cleanses the sins of the world. David prophesying, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I separated your sins away. In other words, he's so far away, it can't even meet can't come back. Praise the Lord. Ah, I'm really, I didn't see that really. I want to explode. <laughs> you know, because honestly, if you look at the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, there's, there's, no, there's nothing else to live to give your life to. Really nothing else. You know, contemplating, should I explain? Yeah, so there's another angle I want to explain. I'm looking at the time. Let's just go. If, I, if God wills, I will explain it later on. Hebrews 10 4. Hebrews 10 4 says, For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is not. First John 4 10 says, This is real love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us as, and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, second text is John 1, 35 to 42. John 1, 35 to 42. It says, the next day, now, is this another next day? Hmm? This is another next day. So, if I can't be, can be counting the days to, Cana, to the marriage, <laughs> to the wedding in Cana of Galilee, and to the um, Passover. It says, the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed again, Look, behold, here is the Lamb of God. Now, the two disciples said, Oh God, you have been saying this thing repeatedly. In fact, we are going to follow this Lamb. 
So the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. You know, in other words, they left John, their, uh, their rabbi or their disciple, and they began to follow another pastor. <laughs> and they followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? You know, they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. We are, where are you staying? Sorry. He said to them, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying. And they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. Where was that? Andrew. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed, the anointed one, or Christ. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of Jonas, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, prophesying, which is translated Peter. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the following day, John let us know that Jesus had spent some time together with his disciples before he called them. The call of the disciples that we see in scripture in Matthew 4, 8 to 22, Mark 1, 14 to 20, and Luke 5, 1 to 11. Please read it when you get home. You know, it is it's the, I mean, classic call when Jesus prayed overnight then he went out and called his disciples. If you read that, those accounts by itself, you would think that Jesus was just walking by the road. He says, oh, you come and follow me. Oh, you come. No, 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 no. John gives us perspective that he already had met these people, had built a relationship with them, as he has watched them for a while. Then he went to pray about them. Then he went to find them at the place of their work. Then he used Peter's boat then he says to Peter, follow me. That was not the first time he was meeting Peter. But if you read only Matthew's account, you would think that he just met Peter. You think about it. A stranger will just give me your boat and you give me your boat. <laughs> so, he, John gives us the missing link that he already built a relationship with them. Peter was Andrew's brother. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And we see how Philip called um, Nathaniel and all that stuff. Then, before he now went and called them. So the, the importance of this is this. You know, when Paul was saying to, to Timothy, lay hands suddenly on no man. You know, lay hands suddenly on no man. I'm, I'm pretty slow to commit myself to people. Really, slow to 
to appoint leaders, I'm very slow. <laughs> very, very slow. I'm very fast at doing many things. But when it comes to appointing leaders, I'm very slow. Gospel Beat House, for over one year, we didn't have, there was no pastors or ministers. It was only my wife and I for over one year. Did you know that? Why? Same thing. Same thing. If you bring that into your business, if you bring that into your life, before you yoke with people, be slow. Jesus took his time. He ungowned with them first. He saw them in their natural state. He saw how Peter can break somebody's head when he was angry. <laughs> he said, okay, see, this is your own problem. Okay, okay, now I know. He saw, he saw Nathaniel. He saw, he saw how Bartholomew, he saw, he saw them before he engaged them. And that is big. I struggle to trust people that I don't, I can't locate their scars. If you're squeaky clean, I'm always very suspicious. Not suspicious, like, negatively, but because no human being is squeaky clean. <laughs> we all have flaws. We all I want to see you make mistakes and I want to see you recover. I want to see the integrity in standing up and being accountable. But if you are all smooth, I, I don't trust you. If you are too smooth, I don't trust you. But isn't that, isn't that what is being put forward in church? That you have to be smooth. That's why people are hypocritical. You know? When it's only when you are smooth that they can trust you. Then, then people will put up a hypocritical face. Then, then what happens? Then you are surprised that you have hypocrites. I'd rather know someone that this one can lie. I tell you. Not that I'm okay with the lying, but I know that this one can lie. Under the right condition. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> all our, by the grace of God, all my pastors, have been, I know them. I know what they can do. I know the one that can slap you <laughs> when they are angry. <laughs> I know what they can do. I know the one that. Hmm, don't let me talk. <laughs> but how do we even get there? Where were we? <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> he knew disciples before, you know, <laughs> they are called. Before they are called. In verse 38, by the time we get to verse 38, Jesus looked around. When, when the two disciples followed Jesus, he looked around and saw them following what do you want? He asked them. <laughs> I don't want to go back to that. We will finish. So let me just be disciplined and go forward. <laughs> what do you want? Jesus asked them. <clears throat> what do you want? 
Now, this is the first time Jesus will speak in the, in, the, in the book of John. It's the first time. And the first time he speaks, we see him speak. He's asking people, what do you want? What do you want? Is that nice? Okay. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want from me? And the translation says, what do you want from me? Yeah. Now, pause and imagine Jesus is standing before you, even right now, and asks you. I did this exercise when I was praying for this service. What do you want? How would you reply? Pause, think, stop, think. If you want to close your eyes, close your eyes, think. Jesus is in front of you right now. He's asking you, what do you want? Ngozi, what do you want? Muiwa, what do you want? What do you want? Write it down. Write down. Write it down. In the space that you, are, that you have. Write it down. How would you answer such questions? Go ahead. Write it down. What do you want? It's okay now. Over <laughs> writing three pages. <laughs> just what do you want? You just ask what do you want? What do you want? What did you write? What do you want? I knew what I wrote. Immediately, what I wanted. I just wrote it down. What do you want? Write it down. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the same way He granted the request of these two disciples. We grant your request in the mighty name of Jesus. In fact, you can keep this sheet of paper so that when he grants the request, you can refer to it and said, on this day, I asked Jesus, this is what I want and this is my answer. He has answered me. Do you believe that? Amen. What do you want? Now, interestingly, they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher. Now, you can pause there a little while because Rabbi didn't always mean teacher. In the, last week, we explained the rabbinic revolution, the rabbinic movement that was going on at the time of John the Baptist. You know, the, 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 word, the root word Rabbi actually meant the great one or the good one in the times of Jesus. So, John the Baptist, John the son of Salome, had the um, um, felt a need to explain the rabbi because at that time it, the meaning has actually um, um, been crystal. You know how words changes meaning from generation to generation? When you say the word gay 10 years ago it meant happy. When you go out and say you are gay today you'll be under scrutiny at least in Nigeria. <laughs> That's 14 years imprisonment, you know. Same word changes. So, by the time John was writing this, it was over 70 years after the event. Well over 70 years after the event. That word has actually settled to mean 
teacher. So that's why he, that's why he was defining it. So he replied, Rabbi. They replied, Rabbi. Now, when Jesus asked them, "What do you want?" Listen to what they said. Where are you staying? Ah, where are you staying? What do you want, Jesus? They knew. They told him. It's not that they didn't know who they were talking to. They knew because their God told them that is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That is the Messiah, the prophet, the son of the living God. They left their Oga to follow him and he asked them, what do you want? They didn't ask for a political appointment. They didn't ask for a business breakthrough. They didn't ask for fame. They didn't ask. Instead, they wanted to know him to the house. Where are you staying? I feel more daily. Know what that means? That's, that's, that means I mean, I'm not just interested. We're not just interested in, in a surface relationship with you. You know, like I was speaking, um, <laughs> one of the pastors and his wife were in my office. Anyway, he was telling me how he deliberately made sure that the person he married, he knew her to the house. Some of you, you want to marry people, you don't know them to the house. They will shock you. You just wake up one day and... Uh, <laughs> You see, mommy, what? Oh, <laughs> oh did I sing that song? <laughs> if you, <sighs> God help me. Now, <laughs> so you. to know people if you are interested in a lasting relationship to the place of their habitation. You know, as we read after, Jesus says, come and see. If someone is able to say to you, come to my house, the person is saying to you, I've accepted you. It's huge. It's huge. If <laughs> they did not say, I'm holding back, I know, I know, I know, I'm trying to keep the time. They did not say that we want fame. They said where are you staying? And this, they went there, as we read later on, they went there and they actually stayed with Jesus. They actually, they, we want to be with you in your domot. 
you know, we just want to be in your air. We want to be in your space. We, we want to be with you. It's, it's called the priority of your habitation. With God, in your work with God, you have to make God's habitation your priority. If your work with God is going to be lasting, the presence of God must be priority to you. Father, where are you staying? My heart, my life, my body, it's your habitation. Psalm 84 verse 10, Psalm 84 verse 10 says, A single day in your courts, I mean this was someone that knew the value of his habitation. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I try to be a gatekeeper. Say so. I can't. I, I'm. I'm just. I'm just. Um, I mean, let's say you are. You are arranging chairs. I'm just arranging. There's just, just. You know when you minimize. Your value in God's house. You struggle elsewhere. Your significance comes with you even valuing being a gatekeeper in God's house than living in luxury elsewhere. That's the value. That is the, the value of his habitation. Where are you staying? Psalm 27 verse 4. It says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, most, number one priority in my life, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Whoa. Delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Let me just sit down. I just want to be where you are. Dwelling in your presence, feasting at your table, surrounded by your glory, in your presence. That's where I always want to be. I just want to be. I just want to be with you. Amen. David says, as the deer pants for the waters, so my soul longs for your habitation, longs for you. What is your longing? What is your priority? What is number one? Is it God's house? And by God's house, obviously, I'm not particularly saying you should come and Take one corner here and bring your bed. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, this is God's house. But your body, your life, God, your heart is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wants to bring his house and, and tabernacle there. Is that the hunger? That will be, I pray, the hunger of your life. Beginning from today in Jesus' name. Psalm 26 verse 8 says, 
I love your sanctuary, Lord. The place where your glorious presence dwells. This is God's sanctuary. And God's glorious presence dwells here. Amen. Where are you staying? Jesus' response, come and see. Come and see. You know, some people will ask Jesus where he's staying. Jesus will say, the fox has holes, the birds have nests, but the son of man doesn't wear, have where he lays his head. He doesn't want you to come. He doesn't want you to come. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> really and truly. Obviously, we use it to teach a, a concept, a different spiritual concept. But the people who really want to come, it says, come and see. Come and see. Verse 41 of John 1. It says, Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. You see, when you meet Jesus, you can't keep him to yourself. Really, you can't. You find your loved ones. You bring them to Jesus. It's a strange thing for you to find God and, and keep him to yourself. It's strange. You have to find your loved ones. You have to worry about their eternity. You have to worry about where they spend their eternity. You have to, I mean, the first thing Andrew did was he found, he found, he went to find, to find means he didn't bump into Peter. He was on a search mission. He went to look for Peter. This Oga, come You know, I remember years ago um, when I gave my life to Jesus, 1995, 2005. I don't even remember again. 1995. It's 95, right? Okay, good. <laughs> 1995. When I got home and after a while I was praying for my brothers those that weren't saved at the time. I remember my eldest brother is pastoring in Canada right now. He's a pastor. Praise God. <laughs> In the living room, I, I sat him down. I was telling him about Jesus. I was crying. So if you continue, you go to hell. You know, I, I, I mean, I didn't know when he began to cry. And I preached, and I preached, and I come to Jesus. It's strange for you to be with Jesus, and you don't care what happens to your loved ones. It's very strange. And like I said, by the grace of God, today is a pastor. <sighs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> it's pastoring a great church in Canada. 
You never know what God is going to do without your relative. You don't know. You don't know. He found Simon. Come to Jesus. It's so interesting that, you know, some people don't even want to bring their family or friends to church. They say, Pastor, that, ah, I should bring them to church. This is my own uh, joker. This is what I used to checkmate them. I should bring them to church so that they too can be praying all the prayers I, I pray. Ah, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> I can't bring them. So you can, can be drinking from the river of life like I'm drinking. Don't you know when I go home, they are all looking at me and saying I'm, I'm shining. Don't you see something is wrong with that? Something is wrong with that. So your church has become your competitive advantage. When God wants it to be a blessing through you to many generations. Simon, come. The four lepers in, in, in Second Kings, they went. God had given a word. <laughs> Amazing God. God had gone before them, driven out the enemies. They went. Now, if you read that account, when they entered the camp, okay, should I tell you the story? Everybody knows the story? I don't know the story. Let me see your hands up. Four lepers. Okay, oh, a few people don't know the story. So, okay. At this time in the nation of Israel, um, Samaria, there was a famine. They were eating their own children. It was so bad. Then the king had, um, under some strange circumstances, sent words to the man of God. And the man of God sent word back that by this time tomorrow, there will be abundance in the land. And the king's advisor said, how can this be? Even if God opened the windows of heaven. You know? And the man of God said, you will see it, but you will not eat of it. You will see it so that you will know. If you die without seeing it, you will die thinking God is not faithful. But you see it, so you know God is faithful, then they will take you away. So, there were four lepers that used their common sense and said, if they stayed at the gates, they couldn't enter because they were banished from the society. If they stayed at the gate where they were begging for arms, when the war comes, they will be the first casualties. If they go into the city, in fact, they will stone them to death. So, sitting here, going to the city, sure banker, death. If we go to meet the enemy, 50-50, they may say, okay, take food, eat, go. Or they may kill us. Whichever way we will die anyway. So let's take our chance. I love those followers. <laughs> let's take our chance. <laughs> so they took their chance. But when they were walking towards the camp, God amplified their footsteps. The enemy was hearing a lot of noise. 
and they ran away thinking that the multitude of army was coming against them. They abandoned their gold, their silver, their livestock, their food, everything. Soldiers. They ran away. So when the four lepers got to the camp, the first thing they did, interesting, was to eat. Now, there was food, there were clothings, there was gold and silver, cattle. When an hungry man comes into a situation, he doesn't see gold. When an hungry man comes into a situation, the first thing he sees is food. So that's why you have to make sure you are not hungry when you enter certain situations so that you can leave the food alone and take the gold. Praise the name of the Lord. <sighs> so, they went, they ate. The Bible says that, another tradition says that they ate binoku. That binoku means they ate until they were rolling on the floor. Ah, this is wine. Ah, this is food. They ate and ate. And, ah, they say, ah, ah wait, too. there's uh, material here. Ah, there's gold here. Before their eyes could open to see gold, then they began to pack gold. Silver, the Bible says they went, they went to dig, they hid, they came back again. They pack, 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 went, they hid, they came back again. After a while, verse 9, they said to themselves, finally, they said to each other, this is not right. This is a good day, a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait here till morning, just chopping and packing and chopping and packing, calamity will happen. No? Come, let us go back and tell the people of the palace. And through their good news, they deliver the whole nation. Through their good news. Through the good news in your mouth, God will deliver nations. In Jesus' name. Who do you need to tell about Jesus? Who do you need to bring to God? That's the question. So 43 to 40, 51, quickly, just read that when you get home. Um, read it, we just... We just, um, we've, we've read it. Did you, have you read it already? Just read it when you get home, please. So, um, we just go on. Verse 45 says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophet wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Andrew found his brother. Philip found his friend. Who do you need to find and bring to Jesus? Put the person's name there. Or the people's names there. Andrew found his brother. Philip found his friend. Who do you need to find and bring to Jesus? In verse 46, Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good. When they called Nathaniel, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Nathaniel himself was from Cana, Cana of Galilee. Nazareth is in Galilee. In fact, they are neighbors. Did you get the graphic? Did you get the graphic? Okay, can you put up the graphic? Now, even though they put it sideways, it's okay. It's supposed to be like that. Now, can you see Cana? Right? Beside it, southwest. In fact, it's about four miles. Four miles is Nazareth. So when <laughs> when Nathaniel was saying, "Can anything good come out of Nazareth?" Is we know the people there. They are no good. It was talking authoritatively. It was, it was not just abusing a, 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 a tribe or a sect. It was saying, look, the antecedents of those people, there's nothing good that can come from them. And guess what Philip said? Philip said exactly what Jesus said. Come and see. I'm praying in the name of Jesus that everyone that has said, can anything good come out of your life? They will say to them, come and see. In the name of Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. And Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus did not dissociate himself from Nazareth. There are people that don't want to be called Nigerians anymore. Jesus sits upon Nazareth. I'm the light from the dark place. Even if Nazareth is a dark place. Praise the name of the Lord. They say, oh, Nigeria is this, Nigeria is that, Nigeria is this, Nigeria is that. We are the light of the world. And we are proud to be Nigerians. <laughs> really and truly. There's no other nation like us. And I can go on and on about that. There's really no other nation like us. And God has a purpose for making you part of us. If you are Nigerian. If you are not Nigerian. And you are here. You will be Nigerian. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. (laughs) And if you read 47 to 49... You know, Jesus, okay, let's just read it. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. <laughs> I just want to say that. Yeah, doing this because I just told you I saw you had a fig tree. Okay, let me not get ahead of myself. <laughs> now, the fig, the fig tree in scripture is representative of the nation of Israel. It's the fig, there, there are some symbols in scriptures that are one to one. Fig is a representation of the nation of Israel. Abacock tree, even though the fig does not blossom. I'm talking about the, the nation, 
of Israel. Now, Jews, when they are not praying at, in Jerusalem, they usually will pray under the fig tree. So Nathaniel was, that's even how you differentiate Jews that are living in, in, the, in the Semitic regions. You know, the Jews will find the fig because it's representative of their nation. And they will pray there. And the same way Jesus teaches us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, church in heaven, hallowed be thy name, on and on and on. And it gets to your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The same way we as Christians are supposed to pray the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. The nation of Israel, every time they pray, they pray for the coming of the Messiah. Every time. So, when Jesus saw Nathaniel as a proper Israelite, it's, it's, it's like, I saw you under the tree. It's like, that is where we Jews pray. Do you get it? So, and if he was praying, what was he praying? What was part of his prayer? The coming of the Messiah. And Philip said to him, come and see the Messiah. And when he saw Jesus, he says, you are the Messiah, the king of Israel. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that when John is narrating, John is narrating as taking us into the, into the story that this, this is what happened, how it happened. 50 to 51. 50 to 51. He says, Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. The father of the nation of Israel is Jacob. Jacob had a dream in Genesis 28. Had a dream. And so, a ladder connecting heaven. Angels ascending and descending. Jesus was saying, you're a proper Jew. You're a proper Israelite. Your father had a dream. And this was his dream. I am the personification of his dream. That was what Jesus was saying. So Jesus was saying, I am the personification of what Jacob could only dream about. Jesus never means words. When they say that they are children of Abraham, he says to them, before Abraham was, I am. It never means words. And those things can be offensive to the Jews. Very offensive. Are you greater than our father? He says, I am your father's father. You are a small boy. We know your father. We know your, we know your brothers are with us. How can you now say you are our father's father? 
So Jesus is Jacob's dream come true. That's Jesus. It's Jacob's dream come true. I am the stairway. I am the access to heaven. I am the doorway to the kingdom of light. You will see angels ascending and descending. The Lord bless the teaching and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Let's put us together for the Lord Jesus for his kindness and his mercy. Amen. Okay. And I know that like we said in part one, that it's like we are drinking from um, a, a water hydrant from a big tap, you know. So there's really been no time for, to ask questions and all that. So if you have a question, just send us an email. The email address will come up on the screen. And, um, and we'll probably inculcate it um, to next week's teaching. So today we've heard the word, we've committed to act on it. The question is how will you pass it on? And our commitment is this. So all of us, let's say together, today, I commit to finding my Simeon and my Nathaniel and bringing them to Christ. Simeon is family, Nathaniel is friend. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And let's talk to God. I commit to finding my family and friends and bringing them to Christ. I commit to finding my Simeon and my Nathaniel and bringing them to Christ. I commit to finding them and bringing them to Christ. Lord, help me. Empower me. Fill me with your spirit and life and power. Let's talk to God. If you're here, you're like, Pastor, I need to have a relationship with this Jesus. Oh, I need to come into a relationship with Jesus. I come to church. I've been a part of church. But I know I am not born again. I know that my life is not with Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are seated, should I come forward? You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, pray with me. Just let me know. Put up your hand there and I will pray with you. Quickly. God bless you. Children always put up their hand. God bless them anyway. Anybody else? That is me. Put up your hand over your head. And we'll pray together. The structures are scrolling if you are online. And let's say to God, Father, help me. Help me find my Peter, my Simeon, that will become Cephas, that will become Pete, Peter, that will become the rock. Help me find, oh God, my Nathaniel. Help me. Help me. Help me find my friends and family and help me bring them to you. Help me bring them to you. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. Thank you for your word. Oh, we thank you. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh,
Tell them to go to the house. Tell them to go to the house. Tell them to go to the house. 